Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. This is Variety Deputy Music Editor Jem Aswad, and this week's installment actually is from a discussion panel I put together about three weeks ago, October 12, 2021, for the Mondo NYC Conference. Called The State of the Music Industry, it looked at how the business is doing 20 months into the pandemic. While that topic is obviously ridiculously broad, I narrowed it down to four key roles and chose people who were running successful careers or businesses or departments. An artist, an agent, that's the person whose job it is to get work for the artist, everything from live shows to book deals, an artist manager, in this case one who also happens to be an attorney and the GM of an independent record label, and a music publishing executive. I asked each one questions about what their experiences have been like over the past year and a half and how they pivoted to use everyone's favorite pandemic buzzword to keep alive their careers and those of the people that they work with. Now, I was honestly stunned by these conversations. The speakers were Brittany Spencer, a country singer-songwriter who CBS This Morning is called Nashville's New Star. She saw her career take off almost entirely during the pandemic by keeping a dialogue with her fans, playing live streams, and dropping a series of songs online that led up to the release of her debut EP, Compassion, which has gotten rave reviews in the press and really has made her arrive. Here, she speaks in vivid and very poetic terms about how she did it and how strange it all felt to be achieving a lot of her dreams during a pandemic and the deep connection she's made with her audience as they rode through the past months together. Next up was Lucy Dickens the London-based co-head of music for William Morris Endeavor Talent Agency, who works with Adele and Mumford and & Sons and loads of others. She spoke about how she and her company found new ways not only to keep their artists and clients working, but also how the staff and company adjusted and found new opportunities for themselves and the business. Next up was Binta Nyambi Brown, artist manager and founder of her own Omalili Projects, but also an attorney and general manager of Keep Cool Records, an independent hip-hop and R&B label distributed by RCA. She spoke about how her artists not only kept motivated, but have managed to thrive through the pandemic, and also about the moment, how she and they embraced the Black Lives Matter protests of the spring and summer of 2020. And finally, Christina Hedrick of Sony Music Publishing talked about how that business has actually managed to soar during the pandemic, as the shutdown of touring led not only to a boom of songwriting, but a boom in the value of songs and song catalog. With everyone home streaming and no one playing concerts for months and months, songs turned out to be a valuable and durable thing to create No, Now, it's not all roses. These are not all positive stories. And each of these people talk about how difficult it was to achieve anything, let alone the success that they did during this time. It's a really remarkable conversation, although I hesitate to call it that because I basically just asked each one a couple of long-winded questions and they took off with these thoughtful and inspiring answers. Normally, these kinds of discussions are roundtables filled with bantering and contradictions and even arguments. But everyone here let each other have their say and were so complimentary and supportive of each other. No coincidence, they're all female. So, without further ado, after the break, you'll be hearing from them and me on Strictly Business. We'll be right back. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. 
So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We will start off, actually, um, start this off. We're taking a look at where things are in the music industry at the moment, where we've been in the last year and a half as we all cope with the pandemic, and uh, what's come, what we feel is coming next. And Brittany, I'm actually going to start with you, um, not, not to be mean, but because without music and musicians, none of us have anything to do here. So go back 18 months. Um, your career is on the rise. Um, your EP, I guess, was about to come out at that time or coming out soon. Um, presumably lots of tour dates lined up. COVID hits. How did you react? How did you pivot? And um, how did you keep your career moving? Because you've, you've been on an, up, on an upswing through all this. Yeah, um, it's been the most bizarre thing, um, if I'm honest, you know, in a beautiful way, but also, um, you know, I, I, like you said, I was getting ready to release my EP at the time that the pandemic hit, and I actually put it off for a few months, um, and I kind of changed course and decided to release each song one at a time, because I figure everyone's home, you know, <laughs> what are we doing? Just, you know, there's no rush, um, and I... I wanted to take a more of a content approach um, to my releasing, I guess, style. Um, but yeah, the, the world came, it stopped. It just, no one knew what to do. I mean, as, as far as artists goes and the artists in my orbit, none of us knew what to do. I mean, we didn't know if we should release music. 
Um, we thought, oh, it's only going to be a month. That was kind of like the the talk in the beginning of the pandemic. It's going to be a month um, of quarantine, and then we'll be okay. And and so I, I held off, you know, like a lot of artists. And then at some point, I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to hold off. I just, you know, I want to go. Um, I think the advantage of me being such a new artist is that um, I didn't really feel like I didn't feel pressure to change my tactics, I guess, or my my little strategies. I just I just show who I am. I've, I'm, I honestly, every song that's on my EP has probably been on my social media for at least six months prior to it even being released. I just tried out new songs on social media the way people try them out at shows. And so I just found ways to engage music and, and find different ways to, to do content. Um, <clears throat> a whole lot of COVID testing. Honestly, there was like a, a period of several months where I was getting tested at least once or twice a week um, because I would I would just plan everything out and say, okay, hey, I need to do a photo shoot this day or I need to go write a song with this person this day. I would just kind of, I would plan out my in-person things and I would just get tested in quarantine. And it was a whole lot. It was really interesting, like planning out when to hang with someone because you need to get tested and, and quarantine. But um. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm having sinus issues right now, if you hear it. Um, but I think the the drastic change, and I'll try to be brief, for me at least, is watching everything come to a halt and feeling the agony of that, but also finding the opportunity in that. And I think for artists, we found we found ways to dig deeper into our music. We found ways to, um, I don't know, to engage. Like a few friends of mine, we started just going around and doing shows in people's backyards for a little bit. Um, like when it got a little safer, um, like towards the end of last summer, um, we started getting more creative with strategies. I I just signed with my booking agency at the top of this year. Um, and so we just, we started engaging um, branding opportunities. We started engaging the live stream opportunities, anything that was, um, I guess, innovative for this particular time. We just started engaging it. Um, and I think artists had to be really open to that. Because a lot of times, I mean, a lot of artists in Nashville, they don't want to do TikTok all the time. We don't, we don't, we don't like to do things. We just like to go do shows. It was, it was not the easy route, and and you know, it's not easy to do shows, but it was the biggest. It is the biggest the rev, uh, revenue stream, and so artists had. To, I feel like we had to open our minds and um, and really just be open to finding more innovative ways to see the opportunity in quarantine, and not just the, the pain and the agony and the setback of it. And I think some of those things will be implemented uh, in years to come, I think, in addition to live shows. But people are going to have to be more innovative, I think, moving forward in order to sustain a viable career path for artists. How did you replace the income that you lost from, from not being able to play live shows? Um, I think, well, during the pandemic, I actually, I had a job even before the pandemic. I had a part-time job that allowed me to work remotely. So I'm a new artist. Like the tag is probably still on me. Like I'm I'm new, new. Um, and I was spending, I mean, prior to the pandemic, I was spending a lot of time recording, a lot of time writing. And I started doing these personal trips where I would just go and travel to different cities, different states to write with my friends. And I did that for a long time. Um, but I was I was still working. But but in addition to that, I mean, I wasn't able to continue to work during the pandemic because things started taking off for me. Um, but I, I just found branding opportunities, really. Um, I found opportunities to, um, with live streams, live streams were really cool help um, in terms of income as well. Um, 
Yeah, those were my those were probably my two biggest ones. And I think for more established artists, there were more opportunities. But as an independent artist who was new, I really just had those different um, those really those two outlets. I mean, it's probably maybe one or two more that I'm not remembering, but those were the biggest ones, branding and live streams. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a labor of love, I mean, especially as a new artist. I mean, I was doing some of the most fantastic things I, I never even thought I could do. And I was doing it from my studio apartment, like getting to have a feature in New York Times or being in Rolling Stone. And, and like, it, they're not sending photographers, you know, you had my makeup artist was literally taking photos of me <laughs> and we were getting them sent off to edit. And so like these big monumental moments were happening in a way that I never thought they would. I thought it would be bigger. I thought it'd be something else. And and because of the solitude that we've had in quarantine, we've had to really readjust and really reimagine um, how thing, how big things could be. And in, 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 I guess in ways that we didn't foresee them in the past. So I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah, no, that's actually a really interesting way of putting it is, is how big things can be. Did you get so you enjoyed live stream? Because I remember, um, you know, you think about the early ones like that, uh, that Elton John benefit where you've got Paul McCartney like playing into his phone, <laughs> um, you know, and several months later, things had really, really progressed. Um, did you ever get used to, I assume they got easier, but did you ever really get used to playing, you know, playing live streams? Um, yes, as a person who, who just posted videos online, I didn't do it all the time, but I did it quite a bit, um, playing for Instagram or, you know, like people playing for people who want to see you on YouTube or Instagram or Twitter. I, I was kind of used to it. I, I did enjoy it, honestly. Um, but I I do understand missing that that interaction that really can only be gained from a live performance. You miss that exchange, you miss that that conversation, and <clears throat> and live streams can kind of just be this 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 um, just one way conversation that might not always be the most engaging um, mm -hmm. or fulfilling. But it's I like it. I I thought it was a really cool opportunity to to hone in on the craft of just I mean I don't know and, and where I come from we call it just flat-footed singing like just standing there and singing the song and singing the, and communicating the story and singing your ass off and, and not relying on on what can sometimes feel like a crush if you have that audience interaction everyone's loving it you know you that can kind of sometimes be an artistic crutch there there's so many times <laughs> where I've looked back at a video and I thought oh I felt so good on the stage and I listened back and I'm like oh my god what was I doing at this part this sounds crazy but everyone was just loving it you know and so it's it's those moments where it just it was a time to really hone in that's that's the best way that I can describe it for artists it was a time to hone in what are we writing about you know we were in a pandemic but it was also a whole lot going on it wasn't we weren't lacking um, events at all during this pandemic. We were in the houses, but I mean, there were protests going on. There was there was a whole lot of injustice happening. There was an election we were embarking upon. There was there were events. You know, this was a very eventful time of solitude, and so it, it I think it caused creatives to really to really dig in and figure out what it is that they want to say, and also what do I want to do the next time I get in front of people? You know, we're not going to take those moments for granted anymore. At least I hope not, you know, just thinking like, Oh, it's another show or, or just get on the bus and just treating this casually. Like, Oh, this is just my life. No. Cause we remember when we couldn't do this anymore. We remember when it was, it wasn't, it wasn't an option. 
you know, you didn't see people, you didn't get to see your fans. I mean, even now, like on, I'm on the road right now with Brett Eldridge and with Jason Isbell. And I don't, I don't think we bring people backstage. Like we, there are no meet and greets. Um, we're not bringing friends and family backstage. Everyone is vaccinated. Um, we're all wearing masks behind stage. And so it's, it's, um, it's different. You know, I'm about to be playing, I'm about to do my first show at the Ryman Auditorium on Saturday uh, mm-hmm. with Jason Isbell. And it's so cool. And I, I can't, like, I can invite people, but I'm not bringing, I wouldn't even feel comfortable to bring people backstage. So it's these big moments and they're happening much different than we thought. Um, and even just touring as a new artist, touring with COVID has been, has been really, really hard. Um it's just, it's just a more challenging time, but as a new artist, and I, I keep stressing it because I don't really, I don't have a huge point of uh, context for how life was before COVID because I just released my first EP in December, um, but this is my point of context. And so if we can, I don't know, if I can make it through COVID, then then I can hopefully, you know, meet any other challenge in the future head on. That's how I feel with COVID. It's just, if you can make it through this, then we can make it through anything. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all feel like we've been tested enough. <laughs> um, just one more question on that, yeah. on that point. And that's, how did your relationship with your fans change? Like, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot of artists who say that, like, they know they did a good performance uh, during a live stream by the number of claps they see, they see, or like the number of people who are singing along in all caps, you know, singing along. Um, did you engage more with your fans? And how did you how did you like, you know, sort of manage that relationship with them? And I'm just going to get up for one second because there's construction yeah. across the way and I got to close the door. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that my relationship with, with fans um, has changed in that I think people utilize social media a little more. I started knowing, noticing a, a huge uptick. Someone's knocking at my door. I noticed a huge like uptick in comments and in the amount of people that would just message me um just to let me know like hey i saw your thing or or just more youtube comments i saw this thing you did online i saw this live stream it's just i think the audience has been like that immediate um interaction you don't have but you can someone is still here um (laughs) you don't get that immediate reaction uh but you do get um i guess the after the after effect People just find ways to still engage with you. I mean, if we didn't have social media, there would be no medium to still communicate with fans and and um, and for people to be able to share with you their story, you know, because they heard yours on some other, you know, medium. And so it was, um, I don't know, it's just been a really beautiful time. I feel, and, and maybe this, I hope this answers your question more as well. I feel like even the responses that I've gotten from fans has been more, um, like more in-depth. Like people aren't just like, oh, I liked your show. They're saying, I loved your show. I've had a really hard time. I got laid off from work or, you know, I, my family's struggling financially right now or someone in my family has COVID and this really brightened my day. Like people, I'm seeing more of that um, where people are just excited even now to just be back at shows and they let you know. They let you know in person if they can or they'll, they'll just message me or post a comment. It's just, it feels deeper right now because people know the cost of attending a show it's not just a taboo thing it's not just a friday night this is this is how life is enjoyed now so it feels it feels like it's on a deeper level right now the connection between artists and fans 
We'll be right back with Variety Strictly Business, taking a look at the state of the music industry in the fall of 2021. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. We're back with Variety Strictly Business, this week taking a look at the state of the music industry in the fall of 2021. Lucy, I want to move over to you next. Um, again, it's the same situation. Uh, March 2020, um, you have a lot of artists presumably touring, about to start tours, and all of a sudden their main source of income is shut down completely. How did you and how did WME pivot and find new opportunities for your artists? Well, I mean, obviously there's been a, a huge amount of change with, within the agency world. And I think that the key part of all of that was in a way, I think it it gives you that false moment to actually stop and to actually think, because obviously the live thing was always so, you know, you're on a roll and you just keep booking live show, live show. And then when something forces you to stop like that, you then have to start really, really delving into what else you can do. And obviously, you know, as Brittany's already alluded to, we obviously had to set up a virtual um, department. We also have been things, you know, we've had areas of like visual media where we've art artists doing that. Our crossover department became hugely, hugely valuable to us for artists such as Lizzo and everyone else that we've had that can just cross over like to all the other departments. We've had book department that's been working on people like Dave Grohl, his new book that's come out. So it really was how do we how do we keep momentum momentum was the hardest thing and it wasn't just for our clients it's like how do you keep momentum and people's morale high in a company like that where suddenly 
they don't know what to do themselves. So it wasn't, it was like a whole big problem that we were dealing with. But, you know, we navigated through and we found lots of other areas and, and we've grown other departments. You know, we've got the, the legends department now. So, you know, it's been quite, I think that that false time being able to stop and actually go, hang on a minute, what else can we do here? Because we've got all these tools available to us in this company, but none of us are really utilising it. So let's start working out ways that we can cross the departmentalise and benefit and, you know, help our artists out. You know, but I think, depend, you know, as Brittany spoke so brilliantly about with a new artist, it could, it was so beneficial. I signed so many new artists during the pandemic. And I think, the ability for them to not rush, which I think was the key term that you use there, Brittany, which is so what so many artists always want to do. It's like, you know, they want to rush everything out. It's not rushing, it's engagement. It's letting your fans be able to relate to you. And it gave us all time for that. It gave us time to think about what a tour is going to be like when we go further forward. What, you know, what tour, why is my tour going to sell better tickets than the 15 other tours that are out at the same time, because obviously we're now a bottleneck with everyone wanted to come back touring. So it's like, the, it's just having that moment to stop and actually to think and be, okay, you know, how, what else are we going to do here moving forward? And, you know, times have changed massively. And if we don't keep moving forward, we become irrelevant and stale, right? Indeed. Um, were you having a lot of conversations with, with your artists uh, at the beginning of the pandemic that were almost, um, you know, what were you saying to them to keep them optimistic and keep them motivated and keep them moving? I think, you know, I was actually exceptionally lucky. I think I was one of those agents who I didn't have a load of artists on the road that were like literally asking me to reschedule. I think I had a Rex Orange County tour, which we, I remember at the time when the pandemic hit, he was going off to play a big tour in Australia. And it was so far away that when people were going to need to pull that down, I was looking at people like, as if you, are you crazy? Like, why would I pull that tour down? That's totally going to happen. And I think his was the only one that we just left it. I didn't want to be one of those agents that kept rebooking. I think that that was worse for artists was like, sorry, your tour's not going to happen now, but we're going to reschedule it to this. And so many agents I saw were just rescheduling, rescheduling. I was like, what are you rescheduling for? You don't actually know when we're out of this. So, I mean, for me, apart from him, all of my clients, literally all of them have taken that opportunity to write some of the most brilliant albums, which I mean, they're all about to start coming out, as I'm sure one of them you're aware of. Um, and they've all written like probably the best records of their life. So again, as Brittany said, that it's been such a mat, the amount of events that, I mean, could you honestly, you wouldn't be able to, when you actually stop and think about all the things that have gone on in these last two years, and that's like as a, a global thing, but also personally for people, I've lost four very close friends. You know, it's like, it's been a crazy time. And I think for for my artists, I was lucky because they were just really using that time. I mean, with Mumford and Sons, with Ben, you know, with Winston leaving, Ben had a baby. So people were going through these amazing emotions and they just basically used the time to write. So I didn't, I didn't feel that I got any major breakdowns from any of my clients like they were just using that moment to be super creative mm -hmm. no that's very interesting so where are things now are are you know is it is it sort of a a tentative return to touring is it full scale for some artists where where are things in general for both your clients and the company so jen i mean for the companies i mean it depends on whereabouts you are you know like obviously 
in in our country department, it's been fantastic. You know, touring's been great. So that's been going back full throttle. Like I'm, I remember being so jealous when I was looking at all these tours and stadiums that were going back out on on the road. I was like, are you serious? Like none of us are in that situation. But we're actually, you know, it's coming back. You know, the problem that now we have to do is to navigate how many artists there are in the market. And, you know, ticket sales are, unless you are that exceptionally hot artist, no matter where you are in the world, this isn't just like a UK, Europe, international thing. This goes for this every globally. No matter where you are in the world, if you're hot, your ticket sales are okay. You know, they're good. But if you're if you're in that mid bit, like it's hard, like we're 40% down on sales. So there is still a lot of consumer confidence is not quite there yet. Like people over here, people are back into going into indoor shows. Festivals have been running perfectly. You know, they've been great. But, you know, it's we're not out of this pandemic yet at all. And so but on that note, what I would say is it's certainly going in the right direction. Like this is the most positive I've felt. And, you know, we're about to hit the winter month, so I may regret saying this, but for me right now, it feels like we're on the up trajectory. Well, that's, that's good news for all of us. And let's hope that stays that way. What is, I mean, I've always wondered this because touring in general is such a puzzle. Um, how do you do it when you've got these constantly rescheduled tours, everything bottlenecking? Who gets priority in a certain market? Is it is it just, whose sales are strongest? Is it who like booked the dates first? How does that work? It's simply who's got the dates first. But you know, a lot of those things, I mean, for me and, and for a lot of the other agents I work with, sometimes you have to actually look at when was this tour booked? And you know, and when is that in relation to the record coming out? And now they've written a new record. So actually, why don't we just scrap this? You know, and I've done this with some of mine and let's relook at this on a new record and let's build a completely new strategy because so many people are cutting and pasting, cutting and pasting and the same with festivals. And it's kind of tired, like people have moved on. You know, this generation is so, look at the charts. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. So why do people want to stay and have the same, you know, the same album to listen to, which is now effectively could be two to three years out of date. So it's very much... Uh, for me and for all the a lot of the agents you know that I work with we've been very much we've been sort of strategizing and going does this now make sense and if it makes sense let's go ahead with it and obviously first come first serve on avails because the avails are terrible um but if not then why are we rushing this let's get a new piece of music out and let's tour with a big body of work you know that people haven't seen mm -hmm. do you find that most artists are revising their tours because I'm looking at like the weekends after hours tour is finally starting in January and the album came out in March of 2020 and or uh Billie Eilish I think completely revised her tour she got three dates into a world tour and then had to scrap it because of because of COVID now she's got a new album a new look and presumably an all-new tour are most artists just like forgetting the old one and moving ahead moving into something new like you were saying well, I think it depends on if they've got a new record coming out and how relative the record still is. Like some some people are fortunate enough to have a record that sticks around for forever and therefore it doesn't really matter if they're going to go and play again on a tour. But I think for for certainly the hot artists, if they've got a new record coming out, it, it probably would make sense to wait for the new record and redo it. Like Harry Styles, I believe, is another one that's, you know, they're looking at that. Because how many more times do you actually want to tell your fans you're rescheduling a tour? So I think, yeah, I think it all depends on what that record 
you know what that new record is that's coming out and how relevant it is if it's an if it's an artist that's just an all-time classic artist that can tour forever and ever it doesn't matter if they just reschedule in you know down the line mm -hmm. um you mentioned country what are some other genres that are doing well and ones that are perhaps doing not as well because um you know like the festivals which largely have a um a young audience seem to be doing great but on a lot of like you know for instance the stones tour i'm hearing about empty seats which is a rare thing for stones tours but i also think that's just a reflection of of the audience's age you know i mean they're older and they're going to be reluctant to go to a giant stadium show Agreed. I mean, that's definitely showing. I mean, we have, I mean, certainly in the hip hop department, we're doing, we're at, we've, it's been incredibly strong. You know, we have, and even in, on the British rap side, that we have an artist called Dave that when he did 122,000 tickets so far. So like, that's super, super strong. Right. And yeah, so like, it's, it really does, uh, that's definitely showing. I think you, you're absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the, you know, the new generation are obviously not so frightened of going out. But saying that, you know, there are still drops in festivals still, and they're still, I think with the younger generation, it's less of the COVID thing now, but it's more the claustrophobic thing of like, we actually haven't been crammed in. Festivals are fine, that's one thing, but going into a 5,000 cap theatre or a theatre, that sort of confined space, I think there's still a little bit of, you know, nervousness there. Understandable. Okay, thank you, thank you for that. Um, Vinta. I will move on to move on to you. And you know, as someone who works in so many different areas, um, which areas got hit the hardest? Which ones were easier to deal with? Um, you know, what was happening with your artists when COVID hit, and how have they gotten through it? Sure. So first of all, hi Jim, and hi everybody. And I've just been learning so much from from Lucy and Brittany and. Um, and I agree with so much that they've said. I'm actually been taking notes because one of my artists um, was complaining about ticket sales this morning. Uh, so now I can go back and I can say, well, you know, it's down 40% and you're already 60% sold and you're already and, and you're more than a month out. So be quiet. Um, so thank you, Lucy, for arming me with that um, useful data uh, for, for me as a manager. But yeah, I mean, look, the live obviously took took a hit um and 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 some places the biggest artists with whom i work and have worked um they ended up being okay because they got branded live streams and those were quite lucrative um and they kept getting them over and over and over again and like i said they were quite lucrative um you know for label side artists you know like we're selling records stuff is streaming you know and there were people who were saying that it was only the older stuff that was streaming, but that's not been my experience. My new artist, um, you know, so for example, Van Jess, like they've, they've had a great year. You know, we dropped an EP. Uh, it, it was initially an EP before we made it a deluxe uh, in August um, and turned it into an album or actually September. Um, but, you know, they dropped their, 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 their project on Keep Cool in February. You know, people started sending it around, listening to it, you know, we're doing great on radio. Um, and so it's been, it's been a, it's been a good year for us. Um, you know, I, I will say that, you know, like for me, my approach going into the pandemic was I didn't have the short-term perspective a lot of people had. I knew that it was going to be a while. And I knew that for a couple of reasons, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an immune compromised person. Um, as I think, you know, Jim, I have sickle cell disease. And one of my doctors had actually sent me a text saying, 
wherever you are, you need to just plan to stay there for a long time. So I hope that you're safe because you shouldn't go anywhere. Um, and then another friend of mine who worked for the CDC um, had called me and said, by the way, this is really bad. So don't believe anybody who's saying that this is just like a two week or three week thing. So well before most people started quarantining, I had started gathering all of my, my goods. How do you get a new artist out there if they can't tour or if their, their touring is, is much more limited than it would have been pre-COVID? How do you get a new artist out there even when they're you know taking this time to become more themselves? My first task as a manager, music executive as well, but my first task as a manager was to make sure that I could continue building my artist careers. Like that was the first thing is I needed to build their careers. I needed to make sure that they had money in their pockets. Um, and I needed to, we needed to all take care of each other emotionally because of course it wasn't just the pandemic that was occurring. It was also, you know, the, the, the racial reckoning. And the majority of my artists right now, actually, yeah, the majority of my artists right now are black. And so we're affected, you know, and I, I, I'm not suggesting that only black people were affected by George Floyd and the racial reckoning, but it, it definitely felt a particular kind of way, you know, like some of them felt like they needed to get out and to be in the streets and protesting and involved and engaged. And I certainly felt the same way, although I didn't go outside. Um, and so, you know, what, it, from the perspective of, there's all of this stuff that we have to juggle right now, making sure that they had food on the table. For me, it was about calling people, being on the phone every single day, like calling people at radio, calling people at the streaming platforms, calling people at brands, you know, calling journalists, like calling, you know, like making sure that we had the right people on the team and just working bit by bit slowly and surely and having a lot of faith, you know? And there were some things where we got lucky, you know, like because we were able to position things the right way on social media, because we were able to position them the right way um, at the platforms and with our playlisting strategy, um, you know, like the music is good and solid music. And so people were listening and they were receptive to it. Christina, <laughs> um, I'm finally going to get to ask you a question because out of all the areas of the music industry, uh, intellectual property and publishing have boomed more than any other during the pandemic. Publishing was already on an upswing uh, when the pandemic started and it's become even more so. Um, how have you kept up with what's, go with what's going on, especially with all these big money players coming into the game? Like, you know, how, is it, how has it gone for Sony Music Publishing and how has it gone for your writers um, with this boom that's been happening? Uh, wow, it's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I, I'm loving listening to everyone else's uh, experiences about the industry during the pandemic. Um, you're right. It's a it's a great time to be a songwriter who's looking to sell right now. Like this market is crazy. And I do think that aspects of the pandemic highlighted how important songs are the meaning behind songs to people, uh, writing songs, uh, people at home being able to listen to songs, having access to them, whether it's live stream or streaming or radio. Um, everything starts with a song. So I really do believe in the lasting value of investing in copyrights. 
Um, and it seems like the rest of the world is, is waking up to that too, uh, especially uh, investment companies and non-music-based companies. Um, I think it, this kind of competitive marketplace is, it's a great marketplace to be in because it, it pushes all of us to do our best uh, in service to songwriters, which is our, always our goal. Uh, and it just pushes every company to be, you know, innovating and improving and supporting songwriters in, in even better ways. Mm -hmm. Do you think that all the money that's coming in from non-music sources, which is, which is especially going crazy in the past week. I mean, this morning, um, Blackstone announced a new deal with hypnosis and hypnosis, I'll be the one who can say this, has played a huge role in driving up the prices in publishing by paying so much. Do you feel like a bubble is happening? Do you think this is ultimately gonna get too big with the way that outside money is coming in? I mean, because these are big Wall Street firms that are now investing in music and bringing non-music people into ownership of a very, very specific asset. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say whether it's gonna end up being a bubble. Uh, I, I hope that it isn't because uh, I do believe in the lasting value of investing in copyrights. Um, I, I do know that we, we aim to do the deals that make sense for us as a company. Uh, and I feel like there are a lot of companies out there that are like us uh, who are continuing to do that as well. Um, and uh, we try to compete as much as we can with, uh, with those investment companies like Hypnosis. Um, and, uh, you know, we've done a lot of acquisitions that uh, I've been really proud of in the past uh, few years. We just did River House last year in, Nash in Nashville, which was a great acquisition for us. It's a con continuing uh, JV partnership that we're building. Uh, and we got access to a roster of writers that have really been driving Nashville hits for the last few years. Uh, so I think there are lots of opportunities for companies uh, to continue doing deals like that. Do you have advice or do, is there any sort of company-wide suggestion um, that, that you have for songwriters, especially up-and-coming songwriters, for getting their work out there during a time when people can't tour and, you know, like we, we've got a much more limited and focused output for songs? Um, I... I know that we use like uh, the A&Rs in our company use a ton of discovery tools. Um, pretty much everyone I work with is a massive fan of music. Uh, I'll be excited to get back uh, to an office environment where I can walk down the hall and hear what everyone is listening to. Uh, because right now it's harder, you know, you have to seek out what other people are listening to. Um, in a different way. It feels very organic when you're able to just be talking to your colleagues and uh, listening to what is piquing their interest. Um, I, I think you guys really touched on something earlier in the panel, which was really interesting and true, which is that a lot of marquee artists put off releasing in the last year and a half or so, and it made space for new artists and songwriters in a way that I think was a surprise to a lot of us. Um, and uh, 
we saw a lot of new artists like really have success. Uh, the Kid Leroy, Olivia Rodrigo, like they they put out albums that really drove the marketplace in a way that you would expect of like a, a more experienced artist or songwriter to do. Um, and it, it made the year really interesting and fun to hear these new voices come into the marketplace. Um, and I'm excited to see where they go. Thank you, everybody. This has been absolutely awesome. I was worried because, you know, it was a long panel, but uh, I actually feel like we're getting cut off. <laughs>